Thank you for that, ladies. I think the last several times I've preached, it's been a string player that has played before. I don't know what the deal is there. I guess I schedule the music sometimes, so that's kind of my problem. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. That was, it was beautiful. I appreciate our musicians and those who work with our young people, um, just doing things well and with excellence, and it's much appreciated. They did such a great job yesterday, and I got to be a teenager yesterday. They needed an extra tenor. And so I lent my services, I guess, and uh, I didn't fool the people at the nursing home. They're like, hey, you're kind of old for me singing with those people. But I got hot chocolate and candy cane, so all's well. And then I spilt it all over myself at Addington Place, so that was just wonderful. No, it was a great time, and thank you all so much. I'd like you to look again, please, at Hebrews chapter number 10. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And if you're visiting here tonight, I encourage you, please, come back when pastor's preaching. You will be blessed by it, I promise you that. Um, but I am thankful to have an opportunity to open up God's Word tonight. Hebrews chapter number 10, I want you to look again, please, at verse number 25. The Bible says, "...not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching." I love the book of Hebrews, of course. We don't know who the writer is, and I would submit tonight that not knowing who the writer is is not really important because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's quick, it's powerful. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. But there is a certain theme. The book of Hebrews can be summed up in one word, and that is this word, better. You see, the Hebrew Christians had a little bit of trouble. They were getting caught up in between going back to, to, uh, to tradition and things that they did under the law. But the writer of Hebrews says, hold on just a minute. He, he goes after each of the things that the Jewish Christians were going after. The Jewish Christians were going after Moses. Hey, we love Moses. He was a great leader. He was somebody that we could follow. But the writer of Hebrews is quick to remind him that Jesus is better than Moses. He's much better than Moses. Um, then they're like, what about the angels in chapter 1? They're talking about uh, the angels and how they wanted to follow the angels. But the writer of Hebrews again reminds them, listen, Jesus is better than the angels. Well, well, what about Aaron? Perhaps they would say in the book of Hebrews, Aaron was our high priest. And he's quick to remind them, the writer of Hebrews, that Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than any high priest that you can think of from the Old Testament. And it's not just a little bit better. It's not just sometimes better. It's not just he's a lot better, but the Hebrew word there, or excuse me, the Greek tense of that word is a superlative, meaning he's the best of the best of the best, and there's nothing better than the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say amen to that. I love that, the, the things that you can learn, uh, that Jesus is better than anything else that you can think of. And if you know the same Jesus I know, you could testify the very same thing, that Jesus is better than anything that you can think of. He's better than the system of this world. He's better than any other relationship that you can think of. Jesus is better, but he's not just better, he's the best. The Hebrew writer comes here to chapter number 10. And I have this phrase underlined in my Bible in verse number 25 where it says, the day approaching, the day approaching. The writer reminds us that time is coming to an end. The clock is ticking and we're watching time tick away. Now, I love sports and I especially love basketball. Now, in New Jersey, I worked for my father-in-law at Riverdale Baptist Church for about four years and they started a homeschool co-op with some of the other like-minded churches in the area. The headmaster of that school came to me and he said, Brother Kevin, I heard that you played basketball and you even coached a little bit. I said, well, I sat a lot. 
And uh, yeah, I did help coach uh, when I was in Tennessee a little bit. He goes, good. We're going to start a basketball team at our homeschool co-op, and we want to make you the head coach. And I looked around at the, head, uh, the, the homeschool co-op, and there was literally like eight boys in the entire school in which I had to field a team with. And that's the nature of working uh, with a, a small Christian ministry is you have to work with what you have. And so we put this basketball team together with uh, young boys of every athletic shape and size that you can think of. Uh, we didn't have really any indoor facilities to work with and you know keep in mind basketball season's going on right now and in New Jersey right now it is not warm out there so we had this little hoop that we used outside in the freezing cold and we had uh, thankful we had a, a park that we could go to and practice at um, but you could imagine that our team did as well as you think they would we lost by a lot of points a lot of times as a matter of fact when we would go uh, to the tournaments with the other Christian schools if you know that kind of circle you know the Christian school our team got the Christian Character Award a lot, (laughs) but we didn't get anything else. That first year, we didn't win one single game. I didn't get fired from being a coach, so so that was good. The next year, we fielded another team, much of the same guys. Uh, Every size you can imagine, from sixth grade all the way to 12th grade, we were playing these teams that, you know, it looked like they were D1 athletes. They were like, it seemed like nine feet tall. And I was lucky to have kids that can walk and dribble a basketball at the same time. But there was one game that we played that it wasn't a total disaster. Do you see the day approaching? I want you to think about the time is running out. I want to think about this subject tonight, clock management. One of my favorite parts about football and basketball is this idea of clock management. Now, in college, when I was sitting on the bench, I had a lot of time to watch the clock. And then when I was coaching for this Christian school co-op, we came against this team in New Jersey there, and we, for, were, for a good time, were actually neck and neck with this team. We weren't expected to win any games that season, but it came down to it. We were really close with this team. Remarkably for that game, we'd hit most of our free throws. That was exciting. Uh, remarkably for that game, the kids knew what the plays were. We were having a good old time, and it came down to it that we had a chance to win towards the end of the game. That's about five seconds or so left we'd had the ball and we had to do what is called an inbound so I had my mind on the clock we only just had a few seconds left and I knew that to come out on top on this game this team who'd never won a basketball game I'd have to manage the clock wisely and so I called a timeout and I brought my eight guys in that can walk and dribble and chew gum at the same time we were excited about that And I said, here's the play we're going to run. I got my little clipboard out, and I drew up a play. We called it Stack Special. That doesn't mean anything probably to any of you, but it is a doozy of a play. I'll tell you that. And so we got it, and I got my clipboard, and I looked at my best shooter. I said, Julian, here's what you're going to do. You're going to pass the ball in, and then you're going to run off these two young people that are setting a screen for you. You're going to get the ball, and then you're going to shoot it right as time expires. Okay, coach, I got this. I can do this, and uh, give me the ball. I'm going to score the ball and we're going to win the game we've never won a game I know Julian I just want you to calm down here we go 
And so the ref said, all right, let's go. We, they blew the horn. You got to get back on the court. And so we ran our stack special. And to my surprise, they ran it perfectly. Uh, you know, in basketball, when the ref blows the whistle, it's time to inbound the ball. With the player with the ball, he'll hit it. And then they'll run their play. They'll scatter. They'll do what they're supposed to do. And it worked beautifully. They passed it out to the three-point line to the guy he was supposed to. I was so excited because they didn't do that in practice, Okay. And then he swung it around to the guy who was the inbounder, Julian. And as time expired, he let the ball go. It was a beautiful mid-range jump shot. And I watched it. And I was so excited. And he missed it. Come on now. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. We tie, it was a tie game, so we went to overtime. In less dramatic fashion, we did win the game. And it was our first and only win in the school history, okay? Okay. <clears throat> They don't have a basketball team anymore because most of the kids are elementary school, I think, now. But that idea of clock management, being wise with the time that you have left. The Bible writer here in Hebrews remind us that there is, in fact, a day approaching. The clock is ticking. And unlike in some game that doesn't really matter, we don't know when the clock is going to tick its final tick. We only have today to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and so I submit tonight that we get really good at clock management. Can we pray tonight? I need the Lord's help. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. I pray that you take me and help me, Lord. I need you. Thank you for the Word of God, Lord. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit do the work. I pray you'd help me to communicate uh, effectively, and I pray that the applications would make a difference in the lives of thy people. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to understand this principle of clock management with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you see the day approaching, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about this day. As a matter of fact, in the book of Philippians chapter 1, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. As a matter of fact, in the book of Philippians, he mentions the day of Christ several more times. He rejoices in the day of Christ. But whatever the case might be, the day of Christ, whether we're raptured out of here, we meet God in the air, or we meet God through the door of death, we need to manage our time correctly. It's all about clock management. I want you to think about just by way of introduction uh, tonight that we have to have an understanding uh, of God's plan. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again. I'm excited about that. He can come at any moment and that would be fine with me. The Lord Jesus, by the way, where, where, are, you, where are you string players at? It's going to be the trump of God. I just, I always throw that out. I always throw it. It's the trump of God. It's not a piano. God bless you, Miss Jen. Uh, it's not a guitar. Thank you, Rick. Uh, but it's going to be a trump, which is actually a, a ram's horn, so I kind of got schooled on that. But the Lord Jesus is coming again. The trump of God shall sound. The clouds are going to part, and we're going to meet the Lord in the sky, or we'll go home to be with the Lord forever through the gateway of death. Either way, it's time to manage the clock and have an understanding of God's plan. God is coming back imminently. It's promised. It's, you could take it to the bank that he is coming again. We sing that song about coming again, and he is. And we have to keep that in mind that it's not just a it's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. It's not just something that we talk about. It's a sure thing that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again. And we got to be ready and understand God's plan. We need understanding in God's plan. We need urgency to fulfill God's purpose. We're here for a reason. 
We're not here just to sit on a pew and, and enjoy each other and enjoy church. We're here to, uh, to be as an army to go forward to preach the gospel, to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a holy life. We're here for a reason. We're here to understand God's plan. We're, un- we're here to uh, have urgency in God's purpose. That's the thing. When we talk about clock management, you watch any sports team, and when it gets towards the end of the game, you notice that they play with such urgency. They fight harder. They're diving for the ball or they're trying to do anything that they can to make sure if they're losing that they win or if they're winning that they don't lose. They play with a little bit more urgency. And I submit tonight that our church, we need a little bit more urgency knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. Understanding God's plan, urgency in God's purpose unity in God's with God's people we're all in this together we're serving the same master we have the Lord Jesus Christ as the captain of our salvation we should go forward we should be with one another and unity to fulfill God's purpose the way that he desires us to do it we are all on the same team but the writer of Hebrews tonight gives us a last play if you would he's called a timeout. He's got his clipboard out, and here's three things tonight you can do as we manage the clock. Number one, I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. Number one, what are we going to do with clock management? Well, the Hebrew writer tells us, so you don't have to guess. Number one, let us draw near. Look at verse, uh, chapter number 10 in verse number 19. The Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the, uh, the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, here it is, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You say, what are we going to do, coach? What are we going to do knowing that the clock is ticking down, knowing that one day our life is going to be over, knowing that one day we're going to, you know, the Lord's going to come back and we're going to be raptured? Well, God reminds us and he tells us, well, let's get even closer to God. Hey, I think that's a good thing to do. Get closer to the master. Draw nigh to God and draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. The Bible says, well, let's get a little bit closer to God. Let's get to know our Savior. Uh, one day we're going to meet him and we're going to be with him forever. Well, why don't we get to know him a little bit better while we're here on earth let us draw near the bible says i want you to consider a couple things under this as we draw near that we have the privilege first of all of access i don't want you to take this for granted tonight i know it's a basic principle in the christian life but you and i we've been given access to talk to god i tell the junior church kids all the time and i'll do it you know i do it kind of funny i'm like kids you know what just because i have the title of assistant pastor doesn't mean that I have more access to God than you do. I tell them, you can talk to God just like I can talk to God if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I say that we use more of that access that God has given to us. We use more of that time, the the privilege and the opportunity that we've been given uh, to talk to God. The Bible says again in verse number 19, having there for a brother and boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We don't have to rely on a high priest. We don't have to rely on somebody else to talk to God for us. We get to talk to God for ourselves, And that's an amazing thing tonight. That you and I can talk to the creator of the universe through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have access through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have access. It's a new way. We have a high priest. The Bible talks about how he is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We asked the kids in junior church, 
who is Melchizedek? And they're like, who? What? How do you even, it's fun to try to hear some of them pronounce some of the names, but I mess up too. I remember talking to Brother Sam one time and I said, I really like King Hezekiah. He goes, what did you say? Hezekiah. My dad got saved. He said, I love the book of Ezra and a Cecilestes. Uh, it's, you're in the right place. Melchizedek. How is Jesus like Melchizedek? The Salem, uh, of Salem, he was this man. Abraham saw him. He gave tithes to Melchizedek. Uh, he worshiped Melchizedek. And we don't have a record of a beginning nor an ending for this man, uh, Melchizedek. And that's a lot like the Lord Jesus. We don't have a, he doesn't have a beginning, and he certainly doesn't have an ending. We have a great high priest we could go to. He knows our infirmities. He knows what we're going through. We have access. And with that access, let's not waste our time. Let's draw near to God. It's a new way. We have access. It's a living way. And we talk about the way of approach. I like this. In verse number 22, or excuse me, verse number 19 again, the Bible says this. In verse number 19, it says, if I can find it, which hope we have. No, that's not the right one. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. I love that word. How do you go into Christ? How do you go to talk to him? With boldness. You know what that means? You can literally say anything that you need to say. He knows everything already. He says, the Bible says he knows our downsitting. He knows our uprising. He understands our thoughts afar off. He's acquainted with all of our ways. He can pass our path and our lying down. He knows our words. He knows our tongue. He knows everything about us. You can literally go into access, into favor with God, and you can say anything that needs to be said. It's boldness. That's the attitude that we can have. We can ask him for anything. We can tell him for anything. Nothing's going to surprise him. Nothing's going to shake him. He knows everything already. We have access and we have boldness that we can talk to him with. I love this. We can talk to him in faith. The Bible talks about in verse number 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You know, that means that our, our prayers are being answered not on the basis that I know how to pray a, a proper prayer. Our prayers are not being answered because I have a great need. Our prayers are not being answered uh, because I pray a whole lot more. But here it is. Our prayers are answered simply on the basis that Jesus died and opened the way for us to get there. So that's why we can have full assurance of faith that when we pray, God hears and answers prayer. We draw, let us draw near, the Bible says. Coach, what are we going to do? The time is, is running down. The clock is ticking. What are we supposed to do? Well, here's one thing you can do. Let's get closer to God. Let us draw near. Here's the second thing tonight. We track and we okay? We good? No? Okay, we'll just keep going anyway. <clears throat> Pastor, you can't be getting sick now. Come on now. <laughs> second thing, not only let us draw near, but let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23 I want you to look what the Bible says. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful. I love that. He is faithful that promise. I'm reminded what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So do not waver. Do not weaken. Don't walk away. Keep on walking. Keep on worshiping and keep on working for the Lord. Hold fast. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't put in for sabbatical. Don't take a vacation. Keep on walking with the Lord. Keep on drawing near to the Lord. Keep on going for the Lord. Don't throw in the towel. Time is ticking down. We don't need anybody to call themselves out of the match. 
Think about it. Hold fast. He says the profession of our faith. I think about it. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Don't ever get over your salvation. I think about so great salvation. I was thinking about it just yesterday, thinking about the verses in my, in, in my mind going through my head. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ according to the riches of his grace. We have God's grace, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. This is the salvation that we have. Don't ever get over your salvation. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes and mine he became poor that ye through his poverty might become rich what am i saying i'm saying that salvation is amazing that's the understatement of the century but the salvation that we have what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of jesus we talk about the blood of christ there's power in the blood wonder working power and i hope that you spend some time thinking about your salvation think about that time where you asked jesus where you took romans 10 13 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved you exercise faith in the Lord Jesus and you got saved and I hope that you never get over it let us hold fast we're holding on we got it we're not going to let go we're not going to lift a finger we're holding fast we're holding tightly and nobody can lift our fingers away we're holding fast hold fast your profession of faith salvation hold fast to our savior i love what the apostle paul does in philippians chapter 3 he says but what things were gained to me those i counted loss i love this for christ it's all about the lord jesus yea doubtless and i count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of christ jesus my lord for whom i've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but none. i love what he says next that i may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if that by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead he goes on he says I forget I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm reaching forward to those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus let me tell you don't forget your savior we have a wonderful God we have a God that takes care of us a God that's given us his word a God that's given us his church to come together a God that's got a plan for your life hold fast to your salvation hold fast to your savior we serve a good god hold fast to the scriptures isn't the bible amazing it's not like any other book some kid asked me sometime when i was working at crown we were having youth congress over there and he said sir i was like sir ma'am i'm old enough to be your brother i guess i was a <laughs> sir they are doing a survey. How do you know, out of all the religions, how could Christianity be true? And I thought about that for a moment. My first response, my knee-jerk response was like, well, I know that God saved me, but I didn't want to base it off of something that happened. I wanted to be able to, to base it off something that's a little bit more tangible than my emotion. I said, you know what? It's the Bible. 
There's no book like the Bible. We were talking about in junior church this morning how, how the prophecies of Jesus, there are over 100 that came true in his birth. And the, the, the scientific notation for that is astronomical for even eight of those uh, uh, prophecies to be able to come true. The Bible is amazing. I'm reminded what the Bible says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I, I love what it says in first, uh, Second Timothy. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works we hear those verses all the time but this isn't like any other book this book is a powerful book it's a penetrating book it is a sword that is sharp on both ends this is an amazing book that we have it's still the number one best-selling book in all the world and I might add it's also the number one stolen book in all the world this is God's word it's not like any other book and when he says let us draw near let us hold fast let us hold fast to our profession let us hold fast to our savior let us hold fast to our scriptures we don't need another self-help book or some hundred thousand step program God has given us his word as God breathed I like this next one hold fast to the sanctuary Verse number 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I love church. When I was a kid, I did not love church. How many of you ever had a mom that would take you outside if you misbehaved during church? You know what I mean by take you outside, right? Yeah. Mom used to do that to me. But something happens when you get saved, when you get the Holy Spirit of God, when you get around Christians that believe the the same things. Church is no longer an exercise that we do. Church is a group, a body of believers, and we're joined together to fulfill God's plan together in unity. Church is amazing. It's the only place I could come uh, together with you all and hear the gospel. The church, literally, this church has changed my life and my family's life, and let us hold fast to being in church, to being with God's people. A church is not a building, and we have beautiful buildings here, but the church, I want to remind you again that it is a group of believers you and I we are the church and let's get important it's important let's hold it fast the sanctuary Uh, I love to look around the the, the crowd and the, the congregation tonight and see lives that have been changed through the gospel because a local church went out with the gospel and with the idea of winning people to Christ I look at the third row there I've got Montserrat and Kiara hi girls Lives changed by the gospel because a local church. My life here behind the pulpit, my life was changed because of a local church. Our pastor who's been here 35 years, almost 36 years, his life was changed by a local church. You're sitting here tonight and you're in one of the most amazing organisms in all the world, the local New Testament church. And let us hold fast on to that. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast Hold fast to our profession, our Savior, our scriptures, our sanctuary. Hold fast to soul winning, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Let's keep on giving the gospel. It's not a politician that's going to change lives. It's the gospel that's going to change lives. It's not a program that's going to change lives. It's the word of God and the gospel that's going to change lives. Let us hold fast. We're not letting go.
Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. There's a third thing tonight, and we're done. Let us consider one another. Coach, there's five seconds left. The time is ticking down. What are you going to draw up for us? Let us draw near. Let us hold fast, and let us consider one another. Look, please, if you would, at our Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, and let us, I, I can't say it more plainly than this, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day appro- approaching. I love what it says, provoking one another. Provoking, how many of you ever provoked or been provoked by a sibling before? <clears throat> what does that mean? They made me do it. They caused me anger. They made me filled with... In other words, it's given the idea that it influenced you to do something. Now, the Bible word here gives actually a positive connotation. It's not you, pro, you made me do this in an angry way, um, but it's pushed you and helped you and influenced you to do something unto love and good works. The testimony, I was at men's prayer meeting yesterday, and, and I love men's prayer meeting, but also sometimes men's prayer meeting is very convicting for me. Because I sit in there and I have the opportunity to work here, but I get to hear testimonies from men that go out. Brother Feldy's here tonight. He goes out and they have the pool ministry. And he's talking about witnessing to people all the time. And he's always giving a name of a person that, he could witness, that he's witnessing to. Hey, please pray for this person. They're going through this problem. And the answer is the Lord Jesus. That convicts me. Brother Ned over in the back, I know he doesn't like me talking about it, but he's the someone that goes out and he soul wins, listening to these people testify about how they've been going out. You know what? That provokes me to go be a soul winner. Does your testimony, do your actions provoke others in a good way or a bad way? Well, I need the Lord's help with that. But I love being around people that convict me, make me more want to be like Christ. Their actions, they provoke one another unto love and to good works. Get you around some people that will help you, that will provoke you to love and to good works. Coach, what do we do? Well, let us provoke one another unto love and to good works, encouraging one another. Look again, verse number 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You know what? One of the jobs of us as Christians is to encourage one another, isn't it? I, I think about often Brother Gail English, who's with the Lord now, but I remember coming into church, and I, I talk about him often, um, and, and he would sing. Some of you remember him singing, and poor Miss Darlene trying to follow him and, and as he sang, but you know what he would do? The, one of the most awkward things is he would make eye contact with me as he sang. Some of you might remember that, and I couldn't help but crack this big old goofy smile sitting there on the row as he sang, and, and I was like, man, he is such an encourager, though. Hey, Kevin, let's go out after church and get a cheeseburger. Okay. That encourages me. (laughs) But one of our jobs as Christians in this church is to encourage one another. And one of the ways you can do that is just by being here. To look out and to see the faces of the people. You encourage somebody else by being here. Just by being here. To look out and to see, well, there they are in their normal seat. Hey, that's a blessing. That's encouraging. Hey, what do we do as the time ticks down? Well, let us provoke one another to good works and let's encourage each other. 
We have enough things that discourage. We have enough things that downplay. We have enough things that hurt. But when's the last time you and I got together? Let's just encourage each other. God is still good. God is on his throne. He's got a perfect plan and a perfect will. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's in control. Let us consider one another and encourage one another. And the last thing here, let us exhort one another. At the end of verse number 25, it says, But exhorting one another... And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's encourage one another, but let's push one another to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's help each other. Let's get in this thing together. Let's help each other serve the Lord. Let's bear the load together. Let's reach the lost in our community together because time is ticking as you see the day approaching. Time is ticking. It's time for urgency. It's time for understanding. It's time for unity. Coach, what are we going to do? Five seconds left. Draw up a play. All right, here we go, church. Here's the play. Draw near to God. Consider one another. Let us consider one another. And let us hold fast. That's what he tells us to do when there's only a few seconds left on the clock. That's it. Draw near. Hold fast and consider one another. I think that's a winning game plan because it's not my game plan, it's his. And this Bible has not been wrong and it's not going to be wrong. So I say we do what the coach says. As you see the day approaching, that is clock management. And God's people said, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the Bible. Lord, your word can do that, which I can't do. Lord, you said your word would not return void. And I thank you for that. Lord, your word is clear tonight. Uh, and I pray that your word would do its work on these thy people. I pray for encouragement for those who are discouraged. And help them. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. We love you. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.